0: action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now if you're not getting paid to listen to podcasts and frankly you've been doing it wrong i'm here to tell you about this fancy new app out there called podcoin where you actually earn coins which translate into currency or even charitable donations if you so choose and it's all accumulated accumulated based off the amount of time you put into listening to podcasts Uh, and there are actually opportunities to earn double coins uh, when you listen to a featured podcast like the Cheers to Comics podcast usually is Uh, yeah you earn double the coins there and As if we're not doing enough for you to pad your pockets just for downloading the app. For first-time users, if you punch in the code COMICS, on behalf of Cheers to Comics podcast and PodCoin, we're going to start you out, load you up with 300 coins right off the bat. So, start earning your rewards immediately. You cash those coins in for all types of good stuff. But you're going to have to find out what that stuff is All on your own, and you gotta go download the app to do it. So once again, that app is PodCoin. Do it. Alright, let's do this. This is the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am Brian Wayne. And this is another segment of Trade Negotiations. If you're not familiar with what a trade negotiation is, this is one of them episodes where I go through a breakdown of a trade paperback or a finished short story, story arc. You get the point. And yeah, just dedicated an entire podcast, giving you the rundown of what's happening. And the last book that I covered on a trade negotiation was Extremity, Volume 1. And that was Artist by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. So now, I think it's only suiting that I move on to volume number two. And this is just volume two of two. There are, I mean, well, (laughs) obviously, there are just two volumes. That's it. So, spoiler, it ends in the end. (laughs) So, (laughs) this volume is called Warrior. So let's. let's, uh, I guess I could give a quick, brief rundown on kind of what happened in Volume One. Just very brief, though. Essentially, we've got a couple. We got a brother and a sister, Rolo and Thea, and through two different certain circumstances, they were kind of just abandoned by their father. You know, they were together and everything was cool. It's not like one of them uh, typical abandonment type of stories. They they went against. His wishes, like I said, both in different manners and different times, and yeah, just said, you know what? You're not my daughter anymore. You're not my son anymore. So, and all of this is going about throughout the midst of a uh, a race war, really, is what it is between the Rotos and the Panzines, Panzini, yeah, Pazini, Pazini, fuck. <laughs> Something like that. I'll get it right eventually. I couldn't get it right in the last episode either, so sue me. Uh, but these two groups of races don't like each other. So uh, the last we saw of Thea and Rollo, they were getting shot out of the sky by uh, Princess Honora, Princess of the Paznine. Poznini? No, it's just Paznine, I think. Princess of the Paznine. Daughter of uh, Queen uh, Nim, yeah, that's it, Nim. And yeah, so naturally they're they're crash landing, and they crash land in the ancient dark. And just based off of the name of this place, you could imagine that it's it's old and not well lit, uh, and bad things go on. You know, crazy creatures happen when the sun goes down. Um, or the sun goes down even more. I don't know how a dark gets darker, but you get the point. And we got these crazy dog creatures, and they're overcome. Well, it looks like they're about to be overcome, and this crazy, mysterious figure that just looks all mecked out and badass and robotic as fuck just fucks these dogs up and come with me if you want to live. And uh, next thing you know, we got Thea waking up and Mother Daedrini. I will say, for as amazing as this story has been, I cannot pronounce any of the fucking characters' names for shit. Uh, uh, Deirdre, that's what that that's what I'm going with. Mother Deirdre, in her little sanctuary, and essentially this is pretty much a colony of peace below ground, and yeah, no no violence down there. And the person that crazy, awesome, mecked out. Badass figure that saved him turns out to be uh, Mother Deirdre's daughter, Mashibi. Mashiba, sorry. Once again, there you go, fucking up the names. Right on cue. Mashiba. Well, here's the thing is Mashiba is actually a Pazneen, and that makes uh, Thea not so happy. But immediately, Mother Deirdre says, Look, this is a peaceful place, remember? So you're not allowed to fight, and we're all going to get together and shit. Meanwhile, here's Rolo, uh, the, her brother, you know him? And he's in this little room, and he's trying to fix Shiloh. Shiloh is this crazy uh, big death-destruction type of mech thing that kind of, he self, not necessarily destructed, because it didn't blow up, but just turned himself off, I guess? Uh, terminated, self-terminated would be a good word for it. And Rolo's been trying to figure out how to get that back, get him back. Well, the problem is, is that the battery pack is, the, the, you know, is used to power such a killing device was taken by their daddy, there being Rolo and Thea's daddy, Jerome, who is the Abba of the Rotos. Well, he has plans for this battery pack, and he puts it into this beacon. And what this beacon does is it summons something that's going to kill shit. That's all they know. They don't know how big it is, what it is, um, how much of everything it's going to kill. They just figure that if they point it in the general direction of the Paznin, folk, they'll uh, they'll be the first to die. So that that is essentially what the the mission of this book is. Everybody has their their. You know, the shit. Well, um... Rolo can't get Shiloh going without the help of Mother Deidre and her resources. And he pleads a case to her and says, Look, if you help me out, you know, help me find some sort of place to pick up supplies where I can, you know, do this makeshift battery pack, then this Shiloh creature will... Not creature. My friend... Well, provide protection for your people. And everything will be cool. Because nothing can fuck with this thing. And she says, you know what? Deal. Let's go to the Black Canyon, bitches. So that's where they go. They go to the Black Canyon and they're searching through all these parts. And just as they find the parts, someone gets way excited and is like, Look, I found it. I found it. Really, really, really loud. And something wakes up. Naturally. And um, this isn't just something. It's uh, uh, a big thing. It's just this... Yeah, giant goddamn oversized pterodactyl-looking thing. By the way, all of these people, all of our main characters, they also have giant winged creatures that they, they travel on. So that's that's how they're going about things. And that's important, because the one that Mashiba's traveling on is this giant three-headed hydro type of thing, and it is cool as fuck. But, yeah, we'll talk about more of that in a second. So... Um, yeah, no, now they, they've they got to run for their lives, they, uh, Rollo has to go back, backtrack, get the part that he needs, uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, everyone that's already died on this recon mission already would be for nothing, so he goes back, but that forces Meshiba to have to stay behind, and she essentially, she sacrifices herself, and you just see this big chomp, and a no, and... Roll on, Thea. On their way. Back to, uh... the Pezznein capital. capital. But what they don't know is while all this shit's going down, while they're on a recon mission to get Shiloh back, Anora and her motherfuckers, they've been out in the wilderness getting fucked up, and their whole little Pezznein crew has been dissipated down to nothing, so now their plan is, alright, we gotta go get Shiloh. And in doing so, they're confronted by old Mother Deidre, and she gets the old stab in the guts. The stab in the guts. So, when, uh, Rolo and Thea show up and get the battery pack in, uh, Shiloh, well, the big giant creature that was chasing them shows up. And now there's just this giant, alright, we've got Pozzanine fighting, we got a big giant creature, it's just this... Fucking bloodbath. It's fucking dope. So fucking metal, man. It really is. It's so goddamn metal. And, uh, granted, yes, we have this killing machine that is Shiloh. Just fucking shit up. But it's just still, it's not doing it fast enough. And just as we thought, well, we didn't just think this, but we were made to believe that Olma Sheba sacrificed herself back there to this giant creature. But she does not, she just... Uh, sacrificed a head of her be- one of our one of the heads to her winged beast. So we got this two out of three headed Hydra and Meshiba along with Shiloh fucking up this creature. And this this giant bloodbath. And then at this point, uh, Nora knows that okay, Shiloh is not on my side and she's arrested. And as she's arrested they, uh, they go back and they find Mother Deidre wounded. And, yeah. Yeah, shit gets deep for a second. And, as you know, it seems like, you know, she passes away and it looks like uh, there, I will, okay, admittedly, I think there's three different moments in this book where we think that Deidre, Deidre, Deirdre is dead. (laughs) But, uh, the first time, is when they find her, and she names her daughter Mesheba the new uh, replacement for herself. And she accepts, and she fades away. And at this point, uh, Anora's punishment, being that these are uh, people of peace, her punishment is not death, despite her being tied up, and it looks like she's about to be decapitated. Uh, it's actually, she has to go through and listen to the testimonies and the, the, the mourners of the family member, the mournings of the family members that have, you know, lost people to her blade and her people's destruction and nastiness. So, yeah, and she's bored out of her fucking mind. (laughs) Some punishment. But then the story takes another dope-ass metal fucking turn, and that's when Mashiba is like, "Check it out! All my people around here—they, despite us being a peaceful people—they really do just want to like cut you all up and um, make you all dead-like. So here's what I'm gonna do: uh, I am going to carry their wrath on my back, so that they're no longer mad at you." And, uh, the, she carves the names of all of the people that were lost and were mourned in this little ceremony, if you will, in her back with a blade. And, uh, at this point, you know, and then it's just carrying on, uh, the, the other, you know, the, uh, Nora, you know, she gets put in a cell, essentially. We don't know what happens at that point, but we learn later on, yeah, she just gets put in a cell. She's not just freed. Um, so they go back to visit, uh, Mother Deidre again. Guess what? Still alive. And when we do, we see her with all these other names carved up in her and shit. So you could see that through her reign as, you know, this, this power figure that is essentially the way that, the way they go about not being mad, I guess, is they just, yeah, the, 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 this person in power has to endear the, 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 the scars and all of that. That's it's fucking, dude, metal. It's so all metal. <laughs> uh, when, uh, at this point, Thea, she's not agreeing. She's like, this is not good enough. These people killed motherfuckers, and you're gonna sit here and get all cut up because of it? You think some scars are gonna balance shit out? The same balance. And she goes, she's like, oh, you're still alive. Hey, Mother Deidre, uh, you called me an artist. You gave me the name Artist back in the day, and I don't really draw good anymore, so I want a new name. And she's like, you know what? I'll give you a name. <laughs> dies, <laughs> part two, this is their second death, and then, uh, right on cue, Jerome and his folks show up, and they got the beacon, and then this is where they're explaining, once again, reiterating the fact that if we push this button, we're probably gonna die too, and Jerome's explaining to his people, like, look, dude, my, my kids are fucking dickheads, they betrayed me. We barely have anybody left. Fuck, they barely have anybody left. But we want to make sure that they have nobody left. And if it takes us going down with them, as long as they see the fucking goddamn flames of hell, uh, I don't care. If that's the cause, that's the cause. So middle. But, <laughs> um, right before you could push the button, boom! The Pazneen motherfuckers saw him coming. They blast his ship out of the air. Kamikaze style, mind you. Ram his ship out of the air. And he goes down. And at this point, um... Uh, Mishiba, Rolo, and Thea, they, they're like, okay, we gotta get the fuck away from here. And Mashiba takes him to a place called... Uh, what is it? The Hall of Dust? Something, was that what it is? I think it's the Hall of Dust. And what this is, essentially, it's it's really a library of all of the ancient items that really can't be of use in any way that the Poznan know of, at least, in society. So, essentially, they're relics, if you will. Or, yeah, a relics is a good way of putting it. So, yeah, it's just this library of... It's a museum, is really what it is. And uh, they take them down there, and... Sh- Meshiba at first, I mean, I'm admittedly I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Why? Why are they going here? And then Meshiba she eventually goes through and shows all of these drawings. Yeah, remember how Thea was an artist? Well, she has all of Thea's draw, or not all of them, but a whole bunch of Thea's drawings that were found. And at this point, really, the whole point of that is used as a uh, a driving point for. Um, kind of bringing the two uh, races together, if you will, because despite the fact that Mashiba has been helping and been on uh, Thea and Rolla's side the whole time, remember in the beginning, Thea uh, didn't, I mean, this is, this. yeah, they're, they're, they're separate races. They're, 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 yeah. And when Thea sees a, this person of a type of people, that I've hated has been respecting my shit and my art all this time. Maybe, maybe we can get along and yeah. And then we cut back over to the wreckage of Jerome's ship and the Rotos and the, the Paznina are invading and it's this fucking, I admit this is a very fast read. As you could tell, I'm like, I don't know. Three quarters of the way through this already, uh, because it's—I mean—it's a visual book. It's Daniel Warren Johnson. You think he's a good fucking writer? You should see his art. That's—that's uh, that's the cool thing about this podcast—is I'm not—I'm only telling you half of what it is. You have to see the other half, and even then, I'm not even telling you all of it. <laughs> There's still so much to be desired here. I'm just giving you the main driving points for the for the story. Um, I can't really touch on the emotional parts, all that, well, that's stuff you gotta feel yourself, and then once again, that's, that's stuff that Daniel Warren Johnson is very fucking good at, going back to Murder Falcon, um, but, yes, so getting back along with this story, sorry, I start rambling for a second, uh, Jerome, while he's being attacked, he still manages to hit the, the beacon button, and at this point, we gotta, we we figure out what the the big destructive monster was, and once again hits you right in the fields. It was fucking Shiloh. You just see Shiloh bulking up into this giant goddamn gory insect creature, and just takes off, just takes off towards the city. And Rolo's like, "What the fuck? I was, he was supposed to help. It was my friend. Oh my god, this is too much to process." Uh, I'm just gonna stay here. You guys chill. <laughs> and uh, so, he's a fucking mess. But at this point, uh, Thea and Meshiba realize okay, we gotta go back. We gotta fight. We need all the help we can get. Should we go see if this Anora bitch wants to help? And Anora, without missing a beat, she's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and this is so much better in this cell." She doesn't really say that, but you kind of tell that she, that's what she's thinking. But at the same time, I almost feel like she genu- genuinely wants to help too. It's, oh man, he's so good at the emotions. And uh, she she abandons the the rest of her unwilling. Captive people that have all. She wasn't the only one that was arrested. Every everyone, all of her surviving people were all arrested and jailed as well. She was just one of two that had to witness the whole morning of the the losses of the yeah the town's people. So Thea, and, and Honora they go off to whoop dead ass and just help any way they can. Um, just hope you know. Just try to save. Any piece of humanity, because who knows what the fuck Shiloh and its beastliness is gonna about to do. And uh, when Queen Nim sees uh, Honora helping the Roto, she does the same thing that Jerome did to her kids. She's like, you know what? Fuck you! You ain't one of us, you stupid bitch. Bye bye. And uh, she falls out the ship. And, but who's there to save her? None other than Thea. Thea grabs her, and then we get this moment where uh, Enola, she's like, Look, dude, I kind of I don't feel fucking worthy, and you know, that whole self loathing type of bullshit after just being abandoned by your mother. <laughs> but meanwhile, Rolo, he's back, and he sees this old fucking mech suit in the Hall of Dust. And he's able to get it going. And this old Mexu ain't nothing but about a goddamn beast. And it comes out and it just starts slobber knocking the shit out of uh, fucking Shiloh. And you get this emotional fight between the two where at first he's, you know, real hesitant. And then, you know, he realizes the destruction that's going on. he just fucking goes goddamn full force. With full force. And, yeah, just fucking it up. And eventually, uh, with, you know, the, the help and distraction of others... Now, keep in mind, this action sequence that goes on uh, is about the last quarter of the book. Uh, it, it is a huge, amazing display of art and action and violent sequences. And also, once again, emotion in very, very little words. It's, mm, it's so fucking goddamn good. And uh, eventually, Rolo gets back to that self-destruct button on Shiloh. After it gets cut open a little bit, or a whole lot, it takes a whole lot of cutting open to get to that self-destruction button, self-terminate button. Actually, this time it is a destruction thing, because when he pushes it, it goes boom like a motherfucker. So this thing is down. Uh, now, at this point, it goes back to the race war, the big giant threat to wipe out um, all of existence... It's taken care of, but we still got Jerome and Queen Nim alive. So Jerome's going after Queen Nim, and then, uh, but then we get this moment. <laughs> I fucking love comic books, where hey, that dead bitch is alive again. <laughs> uh, Mother Deirdre, I see out of the corner of her eye. And Thea gets named, renamed, and her last for real, for real, real, real dying breath. She's like, you know what? You're not an artist anymore. I bet you a peacekeeper. And she, ta- you know, she's like, you know what? I could do with that one. And she takes his drawing. And remember that drawing? She takes one of the many drawings. The um was, you know, given to her by uh, what's her face. <laughs> and she runs up to her daddy. And she's like, look, this is a drawing of mom. Don't kill that queen, bitch. And you get this moment, you're like, oh, shit. Did she just keep the piece? Did she just live by her name? And she's an artist, too. She did that. Remember she had two names? Oh, shit. Multiple meanings. And then she gets fucking stabbed. The queen's like, you know what? Nah, fuck your goddamn piece. I'm going to fucking cut you, bitch. And she cuts her. And uh, then Rolo's like, no! And then she fucking stabs him. Fuck goddamn whoop uh, throws a knife right in his chest, uh, and then, uh, fucking, Jerome tackles, uh, Queen Nim off the cliff, and they both fucking die, that's it, that's the last time we see them, <laughs> they just fucking die, and then, uh, oh, oh, and then Rolo dies, he dies too, because he got stabbed in the fucking chest, uh, but Thea, she does live because she just got cut in the side a little bit. She's gonna be all right. As a matter of fact, she's gonna be so all right. She's gonna be so all right that the Pazninn name her queen, and that's what the fuck happens at the end of the book. We get a morning, dead brother, she queen. End of the story. I know. Uh, <laughs> I really wish I could have spent more time on this book, but. It's, it, it is a visual book more than anything. It's very much driven. And that's what happens when you have a writer that's also an artist, or an artist that's also a writer. I don't... I don't know. Uh, he's 50-50 on the incredible scale between... Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Warren Johnson's fucking amazing. And uh, the, the colors by Mike Spicer's... I mean... It's, uh, fucking... Uh, it's perfect. This really is probably my favorite duo in comics. Um... Yeah, go out and read it, Extremity. This was volume two. And it is just... I said two volumes. You can get through it quick. I read it in about 40 minutes, and I'm fucking stupid. So, I'm sure you could do it, too. And that's that's with me taking some time... admiring all the art and character designs. and Oh, man. It's so good. I will say that the only issue I had with the art... was uh, one of the character designs, Queen Nim. She looks way too much like a fucking dude... So I had a hard time <laughs> when they would say the queen. I I would forget sometimes that they were referring to that 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 person right there that looks like a dude. But it it just that's just what it is. It's not a t- you know you're not fucking princesses and shit like that. All of them have boy haircuts for the most part. It's just yeah I don't know. That was the only thing that really threw me off. Other than that, this book is fucking gold, man. So underrated. And I came about this at Comic-Con. I was at the image booth looking for uh, Murder Falcon gear. And they're like, oh, you have heard the glory that is Murder Falcon. Uh, Peace be with thee. And (laughs) I said, yes, that is very true. Where's Mr. Mike Spicer? And they said, oh, no, he's not coming to Denver. But have you read his other shit? And I said, oh, wait, he's got more? And yeah, he he's got a little bit more, and that's how I found this. They sold me both volumes for twenty bucks total. It's a fucking steal. I think the actual cover price, if you were to go get it at your local comic book store, still only seventeen bucks. It's a great. It's it's worth every fucking penny. It is. Extremity is the book. Daniel Warren Johnson, Mike Spicer, highly recommended. Highly, highly recommended. So this has been another edition of trade negotiations. Uh, there's still so many episodes to come, so many options as far as topics to cover. I still have to cover the last uh, quarter of Chu. I've got four more volumes of that, and yeah, let me start requesting more stuff, guys. Just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you social media. <laughs> the I, I believe this has been a podcast. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, you fuckers read responsibly. Cheers.